Hello, everyone. It is hour two, which means only 23 hours remaining of <laughs> Advantage Kids, a uh, 24-hour podcast. I'm Rembert. And with me, my third guest um, is a great man, Aunt Demby. Anthony? Aunt? What, what, what? Well, if you ask my parents, they'll say Anthony. Uh-huh. Um, I like Aunt, too, though. Yeah. I The guy, uh, guy who was just in here. I call him Kenny, but I, I've I've been in a business world with him, and he's like, "I'm Ken," and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> the government, yeah, yeah right, yeah, yeah, the feds, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I am I am great. I um I've been I've been I told the last two people I told Mary and Kenny I'm like yeah like I'm really glad that the people that I needed to see in the morning to get me spiritually in the right place are here early to just get my head right, yes, sir, get my mind right. Um, got the amethyst sitting right here. Got the amethyst sitting right here. Mary, Mary <laughs> brought me the dry mouth lozenges. Get you uh, right. Just get me right. So, um, um, thank you for coming. Um, of course, you know, like everyone, like the most last minute, but that's how <laughs> that's how we do things. Um, how would you describe? I'm again. I'm having. I, I I prefer it when people talk about what they do. Um, how would you describe? Um, not what your job is, but like where most of your time goes to doing most of my time goes through exploring all the different facets and nuances of music and culture Mm -hmm. and really thinking about how I can use those as tools or weapons to make the world a better place and more transformative place. And, um, tell, uh, tell us, I know, I know a good amount about it now because we've, we've been like, um, very coolly like collaborating on lots of things this summer, um, um, about your, the company that you have. So I'm the founder of Humble Riot. It is um, a cultural consultancy, and we focus on, you know, music curation, uh, cultural programming, ranging from themes such as food, technology, innovation, thought leadership, mm-hmm. and social impact. And um, we really believe in the world can be better, and we can use, you know, our leverage as cultural architects to make to have a big play in that. Yeah. And um, what are what are some of the like over the years? Like, what are some of the events that you um, you have helped, like, you know, bring into this world that you have, you've loved. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Like one you just experienced was the, which is called the Playlist Retreat, which is with Jazzy Jeff, and Jeff had this. Shout ins- out Delaware. Big up Jeff and Delaware. <laughs> Bear Delaware. Bear Delaware. <laughs> it sounds like the fakest. Not place. Wilmington, but Bear. Bear. Tumbleweeds. It's like you thought you knew <laughs> about the two places in Delaware. There's a third place in Delaware called Bear. General stores and all that. Yeah. You know, and like Jeff, you know, he brings people to his home, DJs, producers songwriters and artists that he really believes in he's a fan of and it doesn't matter where you are in your career doesn't care about your grammy nominations he's like are you pushing music forward and it's a place to, a safe space to have thought leadership creative challenges master classes technology demos of all kinds of new technology that's coming out and a place for people to collaborate and our intention is to have um we have three verticals inspiration motivation and collaboration and for me being a fan of music like it's like the biggest nerd dream I could ever have in yeah. my life to be around all my idols who really propelled me to work in the music business and create experiences that will give back to them and nurture them. I mean, I, I was there for, I was there for a day. I wish I could have been there longer. Um, but just like watching someone like young guru who like I've, I've, <clears throat> I've idolized, you know, mm-hmm. as long as I've, you know, been listening to music because I like I feel like I've been listening to Jay my whole life, so I know who Guru was, mm-hmm. and just like watching him not be on like superstar shit, but just mm-hmm. like watching him like I think he had like you know had like his backpack and like his like little <laughs> notepad, yeah, and was just like like in a place where he could someone of his stature and his like you know like like legend status could definitely just be like in a full flex mode of mm-hmm. just like 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 having audience with the pope it's like oh right. like come come to me like young producers come like, kneel I, at my feet yeah just like come tell me about all the th- all the the things i've done that you love but like watching him just be like a a pure like learner mm-hmm. and like wanting to you know like as a busy man so yeah. i respected it cuz he's like if i'm going to be here i want to get something out of it i'm not just here to be seen yeah and that was really i mean i did a panel with uh with Andre Power, um, Shout from, out uh, selection, yeah, selection and uh, Jubilee, uh, 
Shout out Mix Pack. Um, <laughs> and just he was in the front row. Mm-hmm. Is that Which nervous it, for you? I, I mean, it was just like there's like I, I've I've found that a lot of the things that I used to get like super nervous about have just like turned into like bring your a game like mm-hmm. and and i think this is something that i know we've talked about it's just like it's not which is like something i'm very focused on for a day like today mm-hmm. which is where there's like a lot of stimuli a lot of stimulus happening which is just like let me be very present in this like while i'm on stage like mm-hmm. if i'm existing in this moment right mm-hmm. here where like all i'm thinking about like i'm when the other panelists are talking, I'm literally listening to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not just waiting for my turn to talk. Right. And when it's my turn to talk, like I'm actually <clears throat> feeling something and mm-hmm. like speaking purely from the heart, not yep. just like saying talking points. Like it was like seeing him was a reminder to, you know, like really take advantage of this like really important moment instead of like, let me just try to, you know, be impressive or whatever. And exactly. I think, and, and so, yeah, like, it wasn't, it wasn't nerves. It was just like a reminder, like, Hey, like this is a great opportunity. Like do, do right by it. Don't just like be on the stage to flex yeah. and then bounce. Yeah. And maximize the moment. I feel like often we realize something was really magical when it's done. So if we realize, you know, what's happening in real time, like, wow, this is really dope, you know, and what you you were doing, you were actively listening to the other panelists and reflecting back what they said, and then adding on your two cents on top of that. So it was very it was a very safe space for them to approach a challenging conversation. Yeah, for most people. Yeah, um, I also um, one of the things that you've done that I I haven't um, done yet, but I really want to do is like um, these like big large scale meditations. Oh yeah, meditation sure. has become like a very big part of my life in the last year. So yeah. like I'm. Um, and I'm finding it to be, um, extremely like I can, there's like a, like a, uh, like a before meditation and after yep. meditation me just in terms of like, yeah. the idea of even sitting still for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. like not even like getting to the meditation point, but the fact that I can just sit still and not talk for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's powerful. It's, I mean, like, so actually getting to a point where I can actually just like creating Do space for like 30 minutes and creating space is wild. Yeah. You know, shout out to the big quiet, um, Jesse Israel and Emily, you know, their mass large scale meditations with a sound bath followed by a series of one song musical performances. And the music is designed to bring you back into your body or consciousness through sound. Mm-hmm. So we'll have everything from a solo singer songwriter to a string section, to a gospel choir, to a drumming circle. And it's yeah. really designed to, you know, the meditation can take you to take you to a lot of places that are uncomfortable. So it, music is used as a, as a vehicle or tool to bring you out gradually and easily so you can go on and back with your day. And it's uncomfortable, but it's also like trying to get to that point where um, you're 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 letting your your mind wander like without judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, yeah, like, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a weird like meditation is like a weird game because like you're trying to you're trying like sometimes to focus or not focusing. Like it's, yep. it's, you know, it's, it's very easy to overthink. Like, of course it mm-hmm. is, you know, but like for me and what I've been told by people who have like been running meditations or um, mm-hmm. leading, leading just like, you know, solo meditation is just like, you know, if it happens, it happens, you know, you let like, it be, let it just like, that's okay. Just like, you know, try to bring it back. Like if you're like trying to like, control your breath or think mm-hmm. about your breath like but if you know you start thinking about what you have to do later on today it's like it's okay you yeah know, just try to bring it back you know just come back to your breath if you think about those new jordans that just dropped you yeah. know what i'm saying you can like shit i, I can't get those today because i'm yeah. meditating but like yeah. just bring it back and like it's designed you bring you closer to yourself yeah you know and like you can't be anyone else but yourself meditation it's the purest form of you yeah um so another group of people that i know you worked with which are Homies, like it's it's very fun because um, I I saw you walk into the anchor office and like dap up Michael who <laughs> yeah. runs the spot and I was just like yes there's, there's so much synergy yeah um, in a lot of these spaces which is like always been fun for me um, as you work with um, with Chris and Andrew 
at Infatuation. Shout out to the whole squad. The whole squad. Yeah. I don't know where y'all are. I know <laughs> I heard vacations are happening or whatnot. Right. Um, but um, so, yeah. And um, talk to me about what you've been doing with them. Yeah, they're incredible. I mean, you know, with them having a background in music, um, we have understanding how culture plays a role in what they do. And um, I've been helping them really architect what's the cultural music side of EatsCon, which is their food festival, basically bringing the platform to life. And we've had two killer festivals in LA, um, at Barker Hanger and speakers from everyone, from Shep Gordon and Nancy Tilferton to having marching bands from Compton and all kinds of craziness. Yeah. And um, we're doing New York for the first time, October 6th at Forest Hill Stadium. And we're announcing the programming soon come. So it's gonna be powerful, be very New York. And they are an awesome team to, um, to work with. Yeah, I love those dudes. I uh, I remember meeting them like six or seven years ago when yeah. they were just like music publicists trying to get me to come see their, their whatever bands that they were right. <laughs> trying to trying to push on, push on you. everyone. At, and I would I would just go hang out with them, like even if I didn't like the band, because I was like I like these dudes. Yeah, and they often open up the bar for me, so I will <laughs> I will go hang. But it was also like I I mean I just remember when infatuation was like such a side hustle it was a it was a blog it was just a blog that was a side hustle that they were like maybe one day it'll be like the yeah. full-time job but who really knows you know like it's definitely the thing that we do and we're not yeah you know working with all these bands and stuff so it's just been I, I just you know it's one of my favorite come up stories yeah uh, because they're still like the same dudes. They haven't like turned into assholes. Like they're just like, yeah. the best. They still have the same mentality as if they were like in a small yeah. office and with two people, they're still grinding just as yeah. hard and they're really making some transformative thing happen. Yeah. Things happen. Um, what, what's your like, cause I know so much about like you're busy, you're, you're busy body and I know you like yeah. to stay busy. Um, and we always run into each other and like you're always doing something um, like it's like even like two days ago we ran into each other right um what's like your um what are the things that you do when you're just like trying to when you need to take a break well i just prioritize self-care as part of that busyness so okay. before before my day really begins like i get up around six thirty. um i'm in the gym or working out by seven or doing yoga or something like that and then I meditate and then my day really begins at nine. Okay. So I make sure to not do anything work wise before 9 a.m. Uh -huh. I mean, that works for some clients. Some clients it doesn't work for, but that just works, works for me. Uh -huh. And it makes me more optimal. And by doing that, I've given myself my stuff already at the beginning of the day. So when I step into my day at 9 a.m. and open the matrix, I'm responding to, to my world based on me already being full. I've already taken care of me. Yeah. So I can deal with what's coming in now, you know? And one thing I also do is, which is a game changer for me, I take notifications off my phone. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's thank real, you. bro. Like I did it like starting six months ago. Yeah. It's just like it changed like it's changed every yeah. part of my life. Like it changes like the like there's something about just waking up and I turn over my phone and it's just my screen. Right. It's not like like, like the internet tapping you like, hey, bro, yeah. hey, bro, 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 shit happening on my phone that if it's not responded, if it, if I don't see it in 20 minutes, like my life is over. Yeah. You're you not know? an EMT driver. You yeah. know what I'm saying? No one's, there's no, there's no life threatening thing happening right there. Yeah. My, um, the, the place I would like to get to is my, um, uh, my friend Kimberly, um, uh, who is a legend. She, she works for the Met and, um, Oh, come yeah. on. She's the she's, illest. She's the greatest. Yeah. She has, the illest email, uh, like vacation message, yeah. Where it's like I respond to emails at like eight a.m., like three and seven or something yeah. like that. And she's like, like, that's it. That's just it. Like, yeah. These are the th These are the three times of the day I open my email and I will like try to address those yeah. things as I see them. But like, you know, like I'm. You're just not gonna hear from me. Yeah. At one thirty. 
And like people that. expect will expect that, so they won't. And that you're creating a boundary. She's so. managed expectations in like an incredible 100%. way. And yeah. like, I'm not there yet, but it's like, like yeah. when I send her an email and get it, like it's the only like vacation message that I'm not mad at. I'm like, oh right. yeah, like she's living right. I, yeah. I, I like that a lot. It's a reminder, you know. Yeah. I, I try to do my email in blocks, mm-hmm. so I'll, I may check it from like 10 to noon, and then I'm off working or creating something, and then I'll go back to it because if you're in your inbox all day. You're just responding to shit. You're just responsive the entire, and you're not getting a lot. You're not done. actually making anything. You're just like, cause, yeah. Because that's, I feel like, that is the, that's the thing that kills my days. Is just mm-hmm. like the waiting for responses. Yeah. Like, like I just like my mornings. Like, what if if I wasn't doing this? Like, yeah. I try not to. Like, I my day the same way. Like, starts at nine. Yeah. Um. But like, cause I did everything, like I got all my procrastination and me time out of the way before then. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like if I, like nine to 12 yeah. is like my sweet spot. Like, Same. like in terms of like my brain, like my brain is firing at, a, at, at its highest clip yeah. right there. Um, especially if I've done anything active in the morning right. or like, just like, not even just like, like I went to the gym. If I like commuted and walked and like just like the blood is moving yeah but after that it's like okay like once i'm in the second once once i'm in the afternoon yeah yes that's like like that's kind of my like meetings yeah sweet spot type thing Mm -hmm. but like i have to like i like everyone has to know when they're like at their most yeah either creative or efficient or Mm -hmm. that and mine is the morning yeah and so it's just like don't try to fight that and yeah, just know your strengths. Don't schedule breakfast meetings. Yeah. Like, because that's when you, like, then you're not going to do anything. Exactly. All day. Yeah, like, I only schedule, like, if I have a conference call with someone, they're on, on the same times every day. Uh-huh. And those times are not when I need my brain the most. I'm, I'm, my brain's obviously on the call yeah. as well, but I'm not, like, I'm not firing at that time. Yeah. I, I can take a break and just have a call or have a meeting, so keep it consistent. Um, well, I'm very glad you came Thanks for having me, bro. Um, absolutely. Um, you got a busy day? Always. I love it, but I got him in here. <laughs> early, too. You were the first person to was like, yo, people were mad. That oh, I was like, I'm in. People I got, mad I got that. you got that early spot. People, I was like, yo, you should have. I, I he hit me back in five minutes. Like, yo, early, <laughs> early the earliest bird. Like, got the worm you, all you, day. You, you, you slipping. Yeah. My, my, my man was up at 6 a.m. Yeah, I was like, up. Of course he's going to respond. I've been working. Uh, I love it. Well, thanks, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Let me go get. Um... That was awesome, man. <clears throat> you know, Sky? Of course. I haven't seen Sky in a long time. It's, it's time. I'm ready for you. <laughs> hey, bud. Hey. What's Are... going on? I'm I good. also wore a suit. Thank you. I'm going to put on my jacket. There we go. Rem wore a suit. <laughs> However, I had already put on a suit, but that's just, be, you know, because podcasts. Because podcasts. Yeah. And just like that, the handoff, this is our second handoff of the day um, because we've just gone. Actually, will you just introduce yourself? Sure. To the to the people, we're 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 in the middle of the episode. We're just going. Okay, cool. Uh, my name is Sky Galately. Um, first and foremost, I'm a, a, f- a friend of Rembert's. Uh, first and foremost, love that. Um, we're both wearing suits. We're both wearing navy suits. Yeah, that's big. Um, I'm wearing a soccer jersey under mine because it's hot 97 outside. <laughs> it is. It's real bad outside. <laughs> Hold on. I got it queued up. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I am uh, currently I'm a co-founder of an agency called Iconoclast. Um, we're an agency that, um, how can I explain this best? Um, the easiest way to say it is um, we help uh, commercial partners work with brands and creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very often there's a <clears throat> translation gap between uh, creativity and business. And then on the other side, we work on the side of artists, helping them navigate all these opportunities in the commercial world um so yeah that's that's a bit of what we do trying to be the good guy on both sides i have so many opinions 
about uh, brands. Okay. And I want to talk to you about some of my opinions. And I just, I just. Sure. Yeah. Are you about to cue something up? I have something queued up. But you're, you, you do it I, whenever you want to do it. Okay. Do you guys know <laughs> that Rembert is a voice of our generation? <laughs> and it requires a funk flex drop that I may be playing off of YouTube, YouTube. because you can just Google funk flex bomb and it pops up. Anyway, um, all jokes aside. That was the best. All jokes aside, um, you know, when Rembert reached out to a bunch of us about um, participating in this very ambitious podcast any amount of time. Um, you know, it's like, hey, it would be a great opportunity to talk to other folks about you and give you an opportunity to talk about uh, what you do. But um, I'm sure other people will do it. But I think it's important to put on the record that, um, in my humble opinion, um, and I've told Rembert this before, um, I think he's one of the, if not the most important uh, journalists uh, of our generation, uh, at least in the English language and in the geography of North America. <laughs> and um, you have to put those things out into existence for people to also be, to, be able to assume those roles that very often other people, uh, they're ones that people give to you, not ones that you proclaim yourself. Um, so I just wanted to say that, and for everyone that's listening, uh, there'll be a lot of, I'm sure, funny conversations and witticisms and uh, insight throughout the day. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ram, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, Thank you for saying that, by the way. Yeah. That's very and nice. I, 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 I do truly mean that. And um, I also, you know, was a, a journalist by trade when I first moved yeah. to New York. So, you know, that extra 10% that Ram has as a journalist – you know, opposed to most most folks that just are able to write into this, the infinity void of digital journalism these days is um, is is incredible. An extra ten percent is makes them you know a thousand percent better than better than others because writing is also quasi competitive if that's your trade. Yeah. Um, you have a question. I have a question for yeah. I mean, so also for you guys. Who may or may not know, Rembert uh, just wrote a cover story for Time Magazine. Bah! That that would be. I was going to do the funk flex for that, <laughs> but I've never been able to drop a funk flex bomb on an audio situation, yeah. so I just did it prematurely. These are the reasons I did not want to do a video because I was like, I, 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 <laughs> that's not as cool. On the, like, it was cool for me, but just hearing it, I'm just like, yeah. sure, yeah, um, yeah. So, I think any of us, you know, listening to this podcast, probably let's just call it, we grew up in the. Um, the Michael Jordan, Spike Lee era. Um, knowing Rembrandt particularly, has his uh, stance on culture and then his uh, uh, just fanaticism for all things sports. Um, when you found out that you were going to get to interview Spike Lee, and it was at that point probably you were told it was going to be, but at least potentially be the cover of Time Magazine, uh, just what, what, how do you even process that? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it's, there are not a lot of people that I can't remember a time where I didn't like have them in my life. Like Spike Lee, mm -hmm. like as long as I have like understood that I was consuming like, you know, art, I've known who Spike Lee was, you know, like <clears throat> Spike Lee has like a presence even where I grew up because he went to Morehouse in Atlanta and then just like his movies. And I remember like one of the first like serious movies I saw was Malcolm X because of who Malcolm X was. I've just like, I've, he's always been like at the top, near the top of like, you know, the black cultural food chain, you right. know? And it, I don't know, like the ask felt like a, like a, like I knew I had to do it, but like the ass felt like, okay, like these last eight years have been worth something, you know, because sure. there's a weird world, like in, in the freelance world, you're not like, 
those are the moments where people like, you know, they have a list of names and, you know, you don't know if you were like the first ask, but you were high enough on the list where someone approached you. So that feels good. You know, it feels, um, but also like the other side of it was like, I know what Spike's reputation is. And I know that reputation is like, we can't put just anyone in front of him because he'll like walk right over them because (laughs) reputation um, as it relates to when he does interviews. Yeah. Just like, he's not a, he's not an easy interview. Um, and so that also, that felt good. And then I was like, okay, like I have to figure out how to not get walked over, you know, like I have to, there's, there's very much like a, um, I was literally just talking about this with Ant. Like, there's like, like nerves turn into like you just have to rise to the occasion. Like that's mm-hmm. like everything before Spike was like reps. Yeah. Like that's what a career is. It's like yeah, you're everything just, else is like the aggregate penultimate. Yeah, like setup. everything, yeah. everything you've been doing, even if it wasn't like it wasn't linear. It's like mm-hmm. they're supposed to be like when you end up on that big stage. Sure, everything you were doing before like of of the many things that you do yeah. like i i i can imagine the moment that you dj'd on a stage that was much bigger than you oh, ever thought man it's so <laughs> funny and i was actually uh looking at Flint. sky also dj's yeah so uh i think yeah if we were to talk about just maybe like uh yeah just that that um, holy shit moment so <laughs> very on almost sort of unrelated story to what I do professionally now, but kind of not because working with um, artists, I have a unique point of view on it. I'm, I'm you know, empathetic for where they come from, also because in a very small instance, I've also worked sort of as, an, ta- as talent or as an artist, where uh, I, I was part of what was required that other people were paying for and as an experience that they wanted to mm-hmm. take part in. So... Um, I'll try to paint this picture. So uh, one of my uh, best friends, best friends first, and one of the first musicians I really interviewed when I was a journalist was Lupe Fiasco. Um, This was, I either did it at Complex, uh, and this is like the first two years of Complex, or I might have been working at MTV.com. I forget. So Lupe and I are around the same age. I interviewed him pre-Food and Liquor. That's how he and I met. So, um, And after I interviewed him, we just started hanging out because um, he was a young guy. Damn. You know, Like from, Lupe, BT Cypher Lupe. Like, uh, uh, pre, I think the kick, no, the... Uh, kick push? Like, I'm trying to remember. Kick push. This is maybe right at kick push. So Food and Liquor hadn't come out yet. Yeah. So he is really just like I was a young guy growing up in upstate New York that was now living in New York City. He was a young guy from Chicago who is now finding himself in New York City, uh, not really, you know, having a lot of friends. So, you know, he and I became friends because we're into the same weird, like, combination of uh, music, comic books, having an affinity for using language in, you know, dynamic ways, etc. So we really became friends and then... uh, Man, maybe eight or so years later, after he went through the sort of trajectory of his his music career, obviously we're still friends. We would see each other like once or twice a year. Um, we kind of realigned, and um, fast forward to a couple of years ago, um, you know, I DJ for him occasionally, which is mm-hmm. something that I did growing up as a kid. Um, um, did college radio, did parties, all that sort of stuff. But I kind of tucked away when I moved to New York. Also because um, before Serato came out, um, it was, you know, apartments in New York are so small. I had to choose between having a desk for a computer to write <laughs> stories or 10 crates. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, well, I don't know anybody in New York and I don't think I'm good enough at DJing. So let's just do this writing thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all that's context. I didn't really tell Lupe I DJed for a long time just because I had it sort of like um, uh, ice that. And uh, so anyway, he found out I DJed. He'd heard me DJ once, and he was like, what? You know, he's like, do you want to do something with that? And I was like, uh, of course. He's like, yeah, you should DJ for me. So I was like, what? 
But that's the, you know, the, a lot of times when the context is friends first, you also get to experience crazy things. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I think it was 2014 or 15, you know, Lupe and I had done a bunch of concerts together. Um, so kind of got the initial nerves out for these, you know, because at the same time, one, huge fan of Lupe's music, if I knew him or didn't know him, to have a huge respect for just hip hop in general. Um, and that when you do hip hop concerts, when it's the instance when it's just the DJ and just an MC, you know, um, you, you know, if your record skips, because I use, you know, use yeah. actual records, et cetera, um, that really affects the, <laughs> affects the performance. <laughs> yeah. You're not just like the, the layer of the guy on the side, like scratching while a band is performing. Um, so there was this massive concert in Chicago that uh, Kanye's foundation, Common's foundation, Lupe's foundation, perhaps Jennifer Hudson is pretty much all the families of all those musicians yeah. were doing this fundraising concert. When was this? Like, uh, I think it was 14 or 15 okay. called Awe Fest. Um, pretty sure it was Spearhead kind of by Common and mm -hmm. then um, all the other foundations came in. So it ended up being this massive festival where Jennifer Hudson, Twista, Common. Um, God, shout out Twista. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lupe, um, if I didn't say Common again, Common, and then Kanye was the last performer. Um, so just that. You, know, you, you DJ that. So, sure. So, okay, that's happening. Yeah. I'm like, what? Right? Um, so show up to Chicago and flew in the night before. I think Lou was already there just you know, spending time with his family. And um, it was raining. Um, things were backed up. Jennifer Hudson was performing with the band. And she, you know, she, so there wasn't, long story short, there was an opportunity to do a sound check. Uh. So we didn't go to the venue, which is fine. But, you know, um, I, so <laughs> we're sitting in Lupe's hotel room. And we're like, yeah, I was like, man, you got to do a freestyle. He's like, really? It's like, yeah. And at this point, there was a little bit of, um, let's just say like perceived tension between him and some other drill rappers from Chicago. Yeah. And he and I were sitting, I was like, yeah, you need to freestyle over a young chop beat and maybe it should be, um, uh, chief Keef. Yeah. And we're like, and I was like, you want to do this? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So we're sitting in his hotel room, uh, uh, going through this beat. Cool. Go to, you know, Fast forward to going to the, the, so we pull up to the festival. It's a real festival. So it's like when we've done things at, say, nightclubs or smaller venues, a lot of times you walk through the front. Yeah. This one was like, no, like you pull up to the back. There's a whole you know, situation. Fencing. Yes. Trailers, trailers with, you know, people's names on them as identified as this is just your trailer. Craft services. <laughs> I mean, yes. All of the craft. Um, we get out. A couple of things, really amazing things happened. You know, Lupe's family's there. That's amazing. I've met, obviously met them many times before, yeah. but it was a nice like family homecoming thing. Um, and we're, you know, walking up to the trailer and um, this is a really long story about <laughs> performance anxiety, yeah. but it's very applicable. Um, we run into a very young SZA um, huh. who Lupe knew because Lupe is um, artistically very close with... Uh, uh, a bunch of the TDE artists. Um, that was nice. I was already up on her music. Yeah. It was just really special because uh, she was a little bit obscure at the time and it was just like psyched to meet this, you know, really bright young talent and that she and Lupe knew each other. So anyway, we're in a trailer doing normal things like drinking a Gatorade because it's there, not because <laughs> you're parched. Um, probably eating some Tostitos, usually the ones that he gets in his craft services are the ones that are like cups that you can cup. Oh, salsa. scoops. Scoops. Oh. So scooping heavy. Scoops. If y'all want to send any scoops over here, let me know. So now it's where we, and of course we got there like an hour before we're performing and we're performing right kind of, um, daytime into nighttime. So a really a cool moment. So, um, magic hour. Right. So. Um, Lupe and I, I, I have to, he's like, oh, like you have to go to, s so with a, a lot of these festivals, when this choose, when it's, uh, acts are changing, they might have like two rigs. There's the rig that's performing now. And then there's the rig that's performing next and they can roll in one DJ set 
roll it out, roll in the next one. Or sometimes it's just a quick changeover, yeah. and that's what it is. So, of course, we I didn't know any of this. So we walk up to the stage. Uh, stage is a little tall, just like a actual festival stage. And I just remember walking over, walking up these steps, the horizon of the stage, and it being like, there are like fifteen to 20,000 people here. I can't even... Right, so thankfully, my brain went to, this is amazing. And not like... <laughs> For initial, and I'll get yeah. to this, I'll get to the, to, to the, the, latter, the latter part of that. Um, just, wow. So I'm, you know, in this, thinking in this moment, I'm sure much like you with Spike, like everything that I ever did in DJing from, you know buying my turntables to buying records to carrying crates to all of that for years kind of almost just for your own love of it Mm -hmm. i was my for some reason my brain just perceived this instance as i'm getting to do this with my friend with this amazing audience and you could just feel the energy it was the first time you really felt energy where it was just like insane um my other friend who i used to also manage dj neil armstrong he was jay-z's tour dj for about two and a half years and he would always talk to me about, and he is similar to me, like a kind of like shy type of person that sometimes has to do very public things. And he was like, the energy that you get, like when he performed at Glastonbury, for example, with Jay, oh when God. they did the Wonderwall um, whole thing, he was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you just, you can't replicate that human energy. The flags and the... Yeah. 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 It was like the, the era. Today. <laughs> people wearing like I very... People wearing like very lightly weighted scarves, but that weren't needed. Yeah. The so, so you can feel the energy and it was just, you know, when humans are positive and they're sharing that energy, you can really feel it. It's a real thing. So but that's where my brain went. So anyway, I go to the DJ booth. I'm like, okay, I hope this works, that there's all these like software things with Serato, with different mixers that actually very often with Lupe, when we do concerts for whatever reason, like a turntable is always broken and the mixer and Serato are different versions. And I always have to do these updates always, but it always works out, but it's always a thing. And this one time it was perfect. Huh? Just worked. Right. So, but we, we had 10 minutes and there's a, on all these concerts, there's a, there's a, for you guys who don't know when like musicians perform at these festivals, there's always like a, a clock on the side of the stage that the countdown clock, the countdown clock. And you have like 25, 25 minutes to perform and that's it. Right. So I set up my stuff. And I walk over the stage. Okay, a couple of things. I know we're playing the Chief Keef beat, and I also told Lupe, he's like, you're coming out to the Chicago Bulls theme song. Ugh. Have you ever done that before? No. I was like, okay, we're doing that. Right? Yeah. So. Um, was he was he rapping over Sosa? Or? Yeah. So he, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we do this. Uh, we, we get all the equipment set up, psyched. You know, Lupe's at home. Um, go off to the side of the stage. All of a sudden, Dave Chappelle walks out on stage. Dave Chappelle. Now, this is this is the moment also when Dave Chappelle is coming back into becoming a comedian. So, like, um, okay, so Bigfoot showed up and he's doing comedy. Like, what, Dave Chappelle? You know, like this yeah. might have been like the second thing he did when he was really, like, Dave's really back and everyone's really excited yeah. for that, right? So Dave does a skit, hilarious, and introduces us. So I'm like, my mind is so blown on every possible level possible. Possible level possible. I, said, I just said that. That's good. That's good shit that's right a flex, there. That's a flex bomb. <laughs> I still don't even know how to articulate. I still don't even know how to articulate the feeling now. You're still like, shook. You're still Four shook. years later. So we walk out on stage and... You know, I obviously queue up the Bulls theme song. I was like, sick. (laughs) Another connection back to Jordan from Spike, right? That era has so much significance. Um, So now we're performing and Lupe's performing. We're now uh, maybe like three songs into this performance. And then the second moment of this happens, my right hand that I scratch with and do everything starts shaking in like, uh, like I don't know even know the tremor level. Yeah, like seven point like, yeah. nine on the Richter scale. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment when I, with my left hand, I had to grab my right wrist 
to stop it from shaking so that I could just load another song. Oh, so your hand was just done. Done. It was, it was done. Totally, like, I I couldn't... You're like, my right hand is having and a I'm stroke. Right hand, like, no, I, it was just, it, w- it was insane. Uh, we figured it out. He did the Chief, you know, the Chief Keef song and that whole thing. But, um, one, everything, just like you said, Rem, everything uh, as being a DJ, I felt led up to that moment. And... I also felt like this is, I knew in that moment, like this is definitely probably only going to happen once. Like it's insane that it happened, like happened at at all. But there was definitely that I'm sure when you were with Spike at a certain point when he was uh, maybe (laughs) in your interview, when he was like, when you were talking about, you know, the like high school you went to and that moment when your mom, you know, made you watch watch a Spike film, you're the recounting that Spike. And he's like, that messed you up, huh? (laughs) I was... I was dying. Right. That was my, this, this, this thing just messed you up, huh? Yeah. Cause also just the moment when, I mean, I, 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 I had nerves cause, cause I had always, for a number of reasons, I had always wanted to go to Martha's Vineyard and it had never gone. Sure. So having that moment coupled with the moment of like, oh, I'm finally going to Martha's Vineyard and 30 minutes into being there, Spike Lee's going to pick me up. What? Like, huh? Not right. He will actually yeah. be the one. My favorite, my favorite part of the whole thing is, um, you know, so like the lead up to going to Martha's Vineyard, I was, you know, I was in my own head. I was like nervous, blah, blah, blah. Um, have a great day with Spike. Mm. Three days later, I mean, and this is like one of those funny things that happens sometimes when <clears throat> the absurd becomes slightly normal sure um i was like having to go on the phone with spike like every day like spike had my phone number and spike often had like an hour drive and like like i would get a call from the studio being like spike wants to talk again and the first time i was like this is awesome by like the fourth time i was like in my head i was like spike i gotta like finish this piece like Wow. Like getting to the point in one week of being like Spike, like, ugh, stop calling. Me. <laughs> it's like an insane thing, but literally, and this is why, like, it just he cracks me up. The last day, mm-hmm. he called me. I was at, I was in Delaware at um, this playlist retreat thing that DJ Jazzy Jeff does. Oh, amazing! Who? Yeah aunt who was just on here he produces that event oh really yeah i didn't know that yeah so um and i got it and you know there's like people making music all over so there's just like bass everywhere so it's hard to find a quiet spot they're like hey spike wants to call you in 10 minutes he just like wants to tell you one more story and i was like wow damn it like okay so like trying to find a i think i went into someone's bedroom and like set up my little makeshift Sure. Thing where I'm like, okay, like I'm gonna talk to him on speakerphone, but like record, record from it. the laptop, and I hope this record. This is like sure. the the program that works and isn't the one that doesn't work. But mm-hmm. again, it's like these are the moments where you just have to figure it out because like all these all this stuff yeah. you've done. Anyway, he was like, he was like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, like, um, my whole my house, the backyard of my house is on the 18th hole of. The golf course and last year Obama was golfing and I told him about about Charlottesville mm. and I was like one that is the crazy story I've ever heard two you almost didn't tell me this story right <laughs> I was like we've, we've talked five times right how think like and that was the moment I was like Spike if you have anything else you need to call me about <laughs> Just tell me, even if after the piece is up, just yeah. call me. Right. I'm also available on WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't FaceTime on Yeah, yeah. Like Insta DMs. I know you're very active on that and all your caps lock posts. Like, right. um, but Incredible. yeah, I was like, oh man, that's that's definitely going to be in the story. That's definitely. Thanks, Spike. Sure. Um, Incredible. But yeah, um, it was it was cool. Um, I mean, it, yeah, and a, co- a couple other things about Rembert again because <laughs> this is important, and I don't know when I'll. Like, and he and I will get to do something like this again. Um, please go read. First, you know, I'm sure most of you reading this might be within the zero degree 
listener set of knowing who Rembert is. So <laughs> <laughs> you're like, duh, Sky. But please read um, Rembert's feature in Bleacher Report uh, on Colin Kaepernick. Um, very important. Um, also, please Google Rembert and uh, Barack Obama and read that. Um, it, it's, it's, you know. Craziest day of my life. An incredible account of that day with President, uh, President Obama. And what I can say, you know, my, my previous opinion on Rembert and back to his, you know, I just went on that very long aside on Lupe, that experience in Chicago was um, it's one thing to get the opportunity to potentially be a speechwriter and then a journalist for um, a, a mind and a force like Barack Obama. Um, there's also the opportunity to interview an athlete um, turned, you know, um, one of the most important cultural activists of our generation, Colin Kaepernick, and then to just uh, interview the multi-generational, you know, uh, American, like American genius of Spike Lee. Not everyone gets to do all three, and certainly n n few people are able to... Um, do each one where it's equal parts. This is what it was like experiencing this, and this is why this other person is very important. And how to universalize um, people that are just so dynamic in who they are, like Spike, Colin Kaepernick, and Barack Obama. I mean, uh, and to to have done that within probably under five years is insane. So please read those stories. It's very important. This is, you know, if, if Rembert were a musician, um, I'd say maybe he's dropped his first album <laughs> and it was insane. Um, but, you know, please put him on your playlist. And, um, you know, as a journalist. On your pocket. Yeah. And your... as, as a journalist, unlike social media and, I mean, you are, but it's really a persona. As a journalist, your words are inextricably tied, you know, largely to your government name. That is who yeah. you are, and when you go out, when you go out um, on a limb, sometimes you know it's 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 very much who you are. So journalists operate with the highest level of integrity in a uh, amongst a lot of other positions. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So there's that. So that was. I just want to make sure that was on the record that Rembrandt knows he's appreciated, and that um, that is what it is. And the second thing, you know, Rembrandt as a I work with artists. Um, you know, Rembert is an artist with language, and I'm not surprised that he's friends with musicians. One, so Rem and I ran, in, ran into each other at probably the most likely but unlikely place a couple weeks ago. My cousin's uh, in Pittsburgh. My mom's entire family's from Pittsburgh. Um, shout out Pittsburgh. Yeah. They run a store in Pittsburgh, a, sh a store in a brand called 412. Um, Aaron and Christian, my cousins, who are the founders and owners of that, they were in town. Um, Mac Miller and his whole camp uh, was a huge supporter of, of 412, um, et cetera. So I was, we were there to see Mac um, for this, his, his newest album listening session. And then like Ram walked in and I was just talking to somebody about some, one of, one of our mutual friends the other day. So I was like, Ram walked in and I was like, okay, well, I'm, I su I'm not surprised at Ram's, it, not surprised, but then Mac walked in and then I was like, wait, Mac and Ram are like, clearly very good friends. Very good friends. It wasn't just like, yo, your album's sick. Like, thanks for interviewing me. Kind of, it was gesture. It was like, no, they're, I was like, I was like, what? But then I was like, <laughs> as writers, actually very, I was very like almost relieved yeah. that you guys knew each other. So yeah, what's it like just, you know, knowing one, working with other, knowing other writers who care about the written language, like, I think you're talking to Mary H.K. Choi yeah. later today, who's my oh, other... Oh, she, she was here earlier. Oh, she was? She was the first person. Yeah, so um, I don't know Mary that well, but she and Rembert, in terms of voice of our generation, are like neck and neck with me in terms of style of writing and just insight and the whole the whole, sh the whole shebang. She's my, she's my hero. I love her. Incredible. Um, um, I will say that I like... Writing is art. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And you're I, one of those people. I, I don't, I, I think of 
there have been some people who the original conceit was to write about them and to maybe interview them. And then, you know, like I am in no way like a star chaser. Um, I, um, but you know, there are, there are certain people that, you know, a rapport develops and by the end of an interview or the end of a, you know, profile, um, um, number of days or whatever, it's like, There's like a, there's like a, a clear conversation that has to happen where it's like, you know, if we keep going down this road that seems like it might be friendship or collaboration one day, mm. like I'm not gonna like write about you anymore, mm. you know. And if you're cool with that, you know, sure. like me not being a part of your publicity machine anymore, right? Then you know, because there is a line where I'm like, you know, Absolutely. I'm no longer an objective journalist. Um, and and if that is something that you are interested in, I'm like, cool. Like, I guess we're like we have crossed that line mm-hmm. of no return. Like, I've, like mm-hmm. I like I kind of I feel the same way about uh, about Dev. Like, I just like I wrote about him and we spent some time together and it mm-hmm. was just like, yo, like, I don't know. We feel like we fell off the same tree, you know, sure. um, and, you know, um, and I've been asked to write about Dev since then. I'm just like, just can't. Right. You know, like I, 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 that's my dude. Um, and I was doing a profile on Mac and he had just moved to New York. Huh. And afterwards he was just like, yo, like, what should I do in New York? And um, he was like, can you like take me exactly. out, you know? Sure. And, you know, years go by, like when I go to LA, like I, like crash at his house sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, like he's, I mean, he's just like a real, sure, a real friend that like was not, that was not the point. <laughs> No, of course. You know, but it's like, I, you know, I like writing in, you know, I like writing in people's studios, you know, like I like being around someone else making a completely different type of thing. I don't Mm -hmm. like hanging out with writers all the time. No, of course. Like I like, I like being around people who um, consider what they're doing art and it's a different type of art. And sometimes we're doing our own different thing. And then, you know. You'll stop messing with the um, with the soundboard, and I'll I'll close my laptop, and we'll just like talk a little bit for sure, and then kind of go back to our own worlds. You know, I I mean it's <laughs> it's been one of the more fulfilling like byproducts of being a writer in this in like the ju- journalism media world is that I've been able to meet and like develop actual like artistic relationships with people who aren't writers like you like when you're a writer in new york you meet all the other writers in three days you know (laughs) you know it's a very it's a a guild yeah and some of my some of my dearest closest friends many of whom are gonna roll through today Mm -hmm. um are people i can't even imagine life without you know but it's also been nice to have to be able to like chop it up and think about you know you know what it means to make things in your 30s now versus the way w- w- what our world revolved around mm-hmm. when we were all 25 you know it's like right. and like how we're trying to go like to grow and like <clears throat> kind of what the long game looks like instead of just like you know existing like piece by piece by piece by piece but like mm-hmm. what kind of stuff do I want to make in like 3 years sure. that type of stuff um so yeah um you got any interesting things that um you're working on right now that you want to talk about before I, I mean, I'll just build off of point that, that Rem, you talked about the, um, through, through what I do, it's really awesome to witness, uh, two different types of creatives dis- in terms of dis- like the creative discipline working together and what comes out of that when it's, you know, Rem was just talking about, he, he doesn't always like speaking with writers, you know, it's, him being inspired by a musician in a studio that might similarly, you know, they might inspire one another uh, on their thing, uh, knowing that, you know, if an artist is being interviewed, they might step their game up and yeah. Rem's trying to bring the heat with writing that's inspired by having a proximity to like the source material. So um, it's amazing. You know, I've been witnessed. That's, that's, that's really like a, a unique experience putting together, not oppositional, but um, collaborative forces. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, the last, uh, yeah, it just, uh, the last year or so, you know, getting, um, you know, uh, I helped reconnect Futura, who's a, been a client of mine for... Um, a genius. I mean, just, yeah, okay. that's a whole other... <laughs> yeah. Um, when that story is, is properly told, it's one of the most important cultural figures. Uh, he's a, a really a, a, a gift, like a gift from the country, a national treasure, to be honest. Um, but getting he and Nigo together, mm-hmm. fashion designer with an artist, getting them together, what do they come up with? Just being, being part of that process from like a foundational and like brainstorming level is insane. Um, or, you know, 13th Witness, who's the first artist uh, I worked with um, uh, well, like 2008. So yeah. this is like, I think, uh, <laughs> you, had a, you, had you know, a you guys know who Tim is now uh, through his his f- photographic lens, but this is maybe he had a Flickr account, yeah. right? Um, getting, seeing him collaborate over the last couple of years with Drake or John Mayer or Beyonce. Um, and I, I'm not saying these things in terms of like name dropping, I'm saying them in terms of the types of creatives when you put them together, what they're able to, it's really the one plus one equals three scenario. Yeah. And it's just so amazing to witness and um, what that, the creative outcome of, of that is. So, and that inspires me to then want to push to get artists more uh, opportunities that are similar like to those unique, like, wow, this is like a crazy moment. Um, yeah. But, um, New projects. Well, I would say I've been thinking a lot about, I think, like you said, like, what do you do? Like, how does your career evolve in your 30s mm-hmm. after you've done a, a variety of things in your 20s? Um, I just came back from a, I was at a, a program at Stanford last week, um, this impact program for arts leaders um, that some of our, I guess, friends we had in common that I didn't know we had in common uh, were there. And it was just really amazing to... I want to do that program. Yeah, it was amazing. Just a lot of workshopping around um, arts, arts institutions. And also I, I was able to meet a lot of folks from the not-for-profit space, from the institutional arts space. Just really illuminating. I was a little bit of an outlier, I guess, I guess in quotes, from like the for-profit space and yeah. like an agency guy. Um, but a couple of things, you know, came out. So I, knew, I don't even want to... I'll mention, I guess, some... I'll mention some projects I worked on, but... It's kind of like a new challenge to myself. And there are two instances during this program. There are a bunch of insights, but two of them. One is speaking to all these people from not-for-profits. Um, there are really people, there are, you know, people out in the world that they want to help people, mm-hmm. and there isn't a catch. Yeah, you're like, oh, they're... And so that was just... There's no... That's a refreshing thing for you, to, like, I bet, to come back to New York. <laughs> I mean, it's just so uh, so illuminating, and also it, it's one of those situations where it forces you to think, like, what kind of person are you? Or, mm-hmm. And I'm definitely more on that side, or almost totally on that side than the other. But I have a skill set because I've done other things to maybe apply to that space now, which apparently needs a lot of help, which is cool, from the like brand communications advertising side. Um, and then to that end, you know, like I was, one of the insights is like, I, f- I feel like I have a lot of smart friends working on really dumb things. <laughs> and yeah. that starts with myself as maybe a little bit of like a, a, a renewed filter on the hours in the day and what you apply them to. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, and then there was this other, just something that I'm sure people in this, you know, who are listening can, can uh, uh, associate with or understand was the first day at this program, um, it was kind of like, you know, you do the, like, everyone in the, in, in the program stand up and say something about yourself and something funny that you might not know and X, Y, and Z. And then the second half of the day, we're getting into conversations around um, sort of, like, macro topics around where the, we had to do a bunch of reading before going out there, and we, one of the readings was about, like, the psychology of different types of people, brain disposition. And... Uh, Everyone, all these, uh, you know, the group was, a lot of folks were using the word equity. Okay. Right? Equity, equity. And it, it I, you know, being a person that cares about language, I was, it was just one of these moments was like, wow, everyone here is using the word equity as it relates to between people. 
in human experience and things, uh, you know, leveling playing fields, et cetera. In my day-to-day life, when somebody uses the word equity, I can't remember the last time when somebody around me had used the word, and this is, I'm from, you know, I'm definitely uh, diversity first, always inclusivity is really important, but just that that word equity hadn't been used in a context that wasn't about proactively trying to gain ownership in somebody else's business. Yes. Or it was just like, and like I just oh, said, yeah, there's a second definition of this word. Right. I'll, oh, yeah. I hear about inequity, but not yeah. the word equ- right, inequity. All. So, and I just, I just remember raising my hand. I was like, I know I'm from a different point of view, but I just want all of you to know how refreshing it is that the word equity right now is being used in a completely different context. I like that a lot. That how I use it. So, but, um, yeah, new, I mean, new projects. Um, I've been forcing myself to look into, like, what the concept of uh, what is art, what is creativity. Uh, I just signed my first athlete client. Ooh. Um, Sports. Ron- yeah. So I'm a huge soccer guy. Um, so Ronaldinho is a new client of mine. Yes. That's, that's big. Yeah, I guess this is the first time I'm sp- kind of sp- Speaking about other than to like this radio, this radio, this 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 pirate radio. I, I just want all exclusives. Exclusive. <laughs> also, by the way, not to interrupt you. Yeah. Just hit half of the goal. Wow. So right now for for Advantage Kids, uh, twelve thousand four hundred and twenty-two dollars, twenty-one dollars has been raised of the goal of twenty-four thousand. I mean that's, yeah. Yeah, and we got twenty-two hours left. So <laughs> that's big. I mean. Sorry, a, sorry to interrupt. That hey, just can, like, can you go over? Is there the overage? You can go over. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that okay. So we're the goal is over. Yeah, we're gonna, going we're, over. The goal is to not to keep doing. It's the super saturate. Yeah, because like, I feel like the the other side of that would be like, oh, if we hit twenty four, then I'm just going to stop podcasting. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going. No. So if I if I'm going to keep going, like, keep going, keep going. Um. Yeah, but just even what Rem's, you know, Rem, what you're doing with this, using a platform of having a powerful audience of people um, through whatever power, you don't know what has power, power of voice, power of size of audience of people that care about what they do, whatever, galvanizing around something to help raise money for. Um, I mean, something like this is like kind of the reason I haven't like deleted my Twitter. You know, it's like. When like, you want to use, like, I should use this. When I, if I want to do something good, this is what this yeah, is Yeah, is for. it really, like, like I, I've, I've lost, like, <laughs> I've noticed this about myself. I really still love typing out a tweet. It makes me laugh. Like, sure. I love just, like, that feeling of, like, something funny popped into my head. I really don't care about the response mm-hmm. that much anymore. Right. And, like, often we'll tweet something and then like delete it two minutes later, mm-hmm. not because it was like bad or like, I don't want this to come back to me. I was just like, ah, like it just kind of felt good. Like, yeah. Um, because I've just like, you know, it's just that, that excitement and that, that, um, that validation sure. doesn't really like give me, you know, excitement anymore. Mm-hmm. But with something like this, it's like, you know, for a, for a, like for a weird convergence of reasons, you know, some of them are just like being on Twitter and, you know, like the Grantland days, like there there used to be gigantic, like every time like Simmons would retweet me, I'd Mm. get like a thousand new followers. Like like, there there are reasons why I have like, like 250,000 Twitter followers, but that's still weird to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I doesn't feel like I do, but I'm like, huh, like, there's got to be some good that can come from having sure. that many eyes. So like, that's why <clears throat> like, like the idea of doing something like this is like one of like the three reasons I haven't just like been like, you know what? I really don't, don't like, need- this is now going to become like Facebook. It's going to go into like the pile of sure. like social media that I no longer use. So you just have, so someone doesn't start yeah. posting as you. That's not you. Ooh. Um, our next guest is a block away. Sky. Amazing. Um, Thank you for coming. Of course. I, I, it, you got back to me very early, which is why you got such a good early spot. Yeah. Mad hey. people were just like, yo, can I get that? I was like, nah, it's gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. You got to come at you If you're not come, first, you're last. Yeah, you got to come at 8 p.m. Um, well, thanks, man. I really of course. appreciate it. You got it. Everybody, check out 
remember it as much as possible. Yeah. And um, um, I have to do this to close out every um, episode. Um, don't forget to um, subscribe. Um, you can listen to it. Um, you can subscribe on Anchor on the show page. You can listen to it on all the places that one can listen to podcasts like Apple and Spotify. Um, and um, continue to donate. Um, Advantage kids.co slash donate um see you or you'll hear from me in hour three thanks